And with the first overall pick, the New York Islanders select John Tavares. Hi, this is Mike Ross, public address announcer for your Toronto Maple Leafs, and this is the Leafs Late Night Podcast, your post-game destination. And now, your starting lineup, Roscoe, the Fanalist, Southey, Beaner, and Darty Brodeur on the Leafs Late Night Podcast. Thought it'd be fun to uh, play our intro over some cheering Islanders fans for their John Tavares selection. What do you think? <laughs> Love it. Thank you very much, the Islanders. Am I oh my God. <laughs> Am I ruthless? I don't know. No. That, was, that was a little mean, but having fun with it. Welcome back, everybody, to Leafs Late Night. I am Roscoe, joined by the fanalist, where it's never too late for the Leafs, presented by Inside the Rink, and I have a new to me microphone. I brought the one from the podcast studio that we were shooting in home. It is now in my possession, at least until they need it again. So you can listen to all my ASMR now through this fancy mic. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I'm really jealous, actually, of your mic uh, situation. But well, I have a whole better. thing here that if we lived in the same city, I could set up like a studio. I've got two of these. I got two of the arms. We could do a whole thing. But you know, who's I'll closer to Toronto? Live. Yeah, me. that's on. That's on me, I guess. <laughs> I do so. have tickets coming up. The Sens game that I have uh, tickets for is fast approaching. I think it's March 18th. So uh, looking forward to that one here. Yeah, you're going to both, aren't you? Yeah, they're like two weeks apart. They're both on a Saturday. I think it's the 18th and then two weeks later. Maybe three weeks later, but I think it's two. But yeah, nice. it be fun. Nice. No, I'm definitely looking for tickets for that uh, if it works with the schedule. But something to note tonight, uh, Curtis from Alberta is in Ontario and Holly from oh, the UK shit. is in Toronto. So. Oh, shit. Everybody's here. <laughs> They're all here. Well, not all, but some and more coming soon. Uh, Kyle's is coming back from Australia in April, I believe. And I know our friend Luke Man's saving up for a trip and everyone wants to be here. Okay. So I don't know why the hell you're in Ottawa. We could be recording out here. I know, but like, <laughs> this is how I can sustain doing this. You know, I got to be here and waken. <laughs> Uh, which is why I missed the, I'm going to say why I missed the Saturday game, but really it was because uh, I planned a night with my girlfriend and told her that, you know, this was a Saturday that I wasn't going to do the game in the, the podcast. So, you know, we did some, some, some stuff instead, like watch a movie and catch up on our garbage reality shows like Below Deck Adventure, which is fantastic <laughs> and I cannot recommend enough. So you Netflix and chilled. Great. Basically, yeah. And we went to Winners game. too. Even better. <laughs> Hope you found some good stuff at Winners. I usually get some I, great stuff at Leaf stuff there. I got some pants. There was no Leaf stuff there because Ottawa, but uh, yeah, it was cool. Anyway, we should talk about hockey. Hockey. Wow. Actually, Below Deck Sailing Yacht. Can I talk about that for two seconds? Actually, it was Below Deck sure. Adventure. But <laughs> feel free. So this is on. This is on Slice. Do you, oh, okay. do you get, um, I get it on Amazon or something, or maybe it's on Fibe. I don't know. Fucking Never heard so of it. So it's on Slice. Um, and there's a whole series of them. There's Below Deck Sailing Out. There's Below Deck 
Mediterranean. There's the classic one. It's like, you know, all these reality shows, once they do a successful one, they got to spin it off and do it in every corner of the planet with everybody under the sun. So um, this boat picks up um, adventure in Norway, where it's a group of like, I don't know, eight or nine people in their 20s usually that are like i don't really know what i'm gonna do yet so i'm gonna go work on a yacht for a summer like it's a lot of people that are just kind of going with the flow uh there's the odd person like usually the chef or the chief stewardess or the you know obviously the captain some people will make a career out of it and have done this for a long time but some people are just like one-offs so there's a lot of drama and dating and, you know, you get to watch them host charters for like people that spend tens of thousands of dollars. And it's like seeing things fall apart for these high end clients. It's just fantastic. And nice. I don't know, it's fun. Well, wow. it's fun. You get to see cool views in different places and people scream at each other. Well, um, I just finished a re- reality uh, new series. Well, not new, just the recent season, The Circle, uh, Circle Message. Leafs won tonight. Hashtag Leafs forever. Bleed blue. Let's get it. So <laughs> fine. We'll talk about hockey, I guess. <sighs> fine, but man, oh, I'm just glad. Was... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say non-hockey related, non-hockey question, but hockey related because they asked the guys that. Did you see the uh, the question about who would win in a marathon of the Leafs? Yes. Interesting. Yeah. pretty much everyone listed Hall as one of the people who would probably win except Marner who's like probably me but then he also said Halsey so you know I I love that they call him Halsey (laughs) right right no I was surprised to hear Kerfoot's name as a possible answer being you know a short king on the team and you would just assume maybe the giraffe would be one of the speedy ones or (laughs) Hall of course being a tall guy himself I don't see Engvall having the stamina to do a marathon just because he is so big. Like, give Kerfoot the advantage because it's less weight to carry around for, you know, whatever it is, 30-something miles. I don't know how long a marathon is, but I think it's around that. Uh, Yeah, it's interesting, though, that Hall, of everybody, though, um, was listed. It's not who any of us on the outside would probably think of as the marathon winner on the team, but it's always fun to get that little inside, like, scoop on on how these guys actually are behind the scenes and in the weight room and they mentioned uh what was it the treadmill challenge that they have to do and mm. hall beats everybody so crazy yeah. he had a he good game tonight look, too yeah super good uh two assists tonight after i believe they said five games without a point or something like that five hits one block one shot but Justin Hall, he's been great. What a steady force on our blue line. And I'm so happy to have positive conversations about Justin Hall, especially at this point in the season. Yeah, everything, mostly, mostly everything was good. Uh, Him and Gio let that one in. It was a little meh. I hate whenever somebody's left in front of the net alone. But otherwise, uh, it's nice that he's finding his offensive game. There was that. Again, I love when he goes down uh, around the back of the net because people never expect it from him. I think it's it's one of those things you can pull off on most teams once before they're like, oh, shit, where's Justin Hall going? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it just it throws everybody off because it gives the chance uh, to the three forwards to set up and then he swings around and throws it out front. So it was it was a nice attempt. Uh, I forget who was on the ice with him there, but some good chances from him. 
Oh, definitely. And especially, right, feeding those long ice passes that led to a goal. <laughs> like, just a beautiful play, especially being able to sauce that puck all the way to literally the opposite blue line. And um, it's either, you know, Yarn Croak or Nylander able to get control of the puck so easily. Or, sorry, Matthews and Nylander. So. Yeah, tonight was the night of stretch passes. Eh? Like this isn't something the Leafs normally make uh, or have in their their arsenal, I should say. But when you're against a team like the Islanders who just clog everything up, I guess this is the best way around them is just throw it past them and try to beat them to it because they're not that fast like Barzal is. But there's not a ton of, of really speedy guys on this team. So just take advantage of the fact that you've got the majority of the speed, throw it past them and beat them to it. And they did it not once, not twice but three times Samsonov Hall and Giordano all with beautiful passes all the way across letter ink to Matthews Nylander and Nylander again. Uh, yarn croak yarn croak Nylander right. yarn croak. to yarn croak. Yeah. Yeah. That yarn croak one was gross. That Ooh. shot. Oh, well it was Nylander. He just kind of deflected it. That was the pass from who, uh, Samsonov, I think. No, I'm going off the top um, of my head, but yeah. So uh, it was Hall to Nylander who who uh, gives right, the outlet pass. That was pass. the one from Hall. Yeah, he flicks it right over everyone to find Yarn Croak, and yeah, it was beautiful. <laughs> like kind of like um, it wasn't solid, solid plays. Like you weren't sure if someone was going to knock down the puck out of the air, and knowing that i was surprised that they went with it so many times but happy at the same time because it obviously worked and in the first period i noticed that the leafs tried to do the cross um crease pass a few too many times i mean they had a, a so many great chances it just wasn't going in or the puck was bouncing too much or just couldn't connect on the pass yeah, but I mean, they got five, so it's hard to complain. Um, oh, no, I for felt, sure. <laughs> I felt <laughs> like um, there was a time when I was playing. Uh, I don't normally play football sports games like I'm not I don't watch football, so I'd be really bad at Madden games. But I remember, I remember playing one on the Wii way back in the day. It's probably like oh nine, ten, something like that. And every single time I just picked the Hail Mary play because I did it once. And I just threw it all the way down the field. And some dude caught it and I ran it for a touchdown. I was like, oh, well, that works. I'm just going to do that every time. And it seemed like that's what the Leafs did. They did it once and they're like, oh, wow, that unexpectedly worked. We are a lot faster than them. Let's just do that because they it's like I said, the, the Islanders clog up. They when they have the puck, the way that they just make everything so fucking boring to watch is they just cluster together and make sure the puck doesn't go anywhere. So if you can just get it over them or around them or through them you win. So that's what they did. Yeah, I appreciate tonight that the Leafs were able to adjust, especially starting in the second period, coming off a goal right to end the first. And, you know, Keith making that executive decision to switch up the top six, reunite Nylander and Tavares after, oh my God, how many games? I, I have zero idea how long it's been at this point. And way to make it work, literally instantly it felt like yeah i mean this is kind of what we talked about weeks ago and we're like when do you go back to this and this was it it's once people get used to it you switch back and they go oh shit i don't remember how these guys play together anymore like 
it's just about keeping everybody on their toes. And it's, you know, the same thing we say about the power play. It's they do the same thing too much. So change something up and all of a sudden uh, everyone throws the book out the window. Yeah. And something to note about this first period, too. I mean, it felt like the fastest first period of my life. Uh, oh, barely my any whistles. The snow Except for was the first four up. minutes. There were seven <laughs> whistles in the first four minutes of the game and then nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And the snow is just piling up. You're, you're thinking like, damn, do you have to go down there with a shovel just to get through at the snow banks at this point? <laughs> I have never wow. seen it like that. Like they were talking about the snow and then, and everyone's like, okay, yeah, it's hard to tell from the broadcast camera that there's snow on the ice. But then they, they cut down to that camera that was looking at it when they went to break. And it was like, yeah. I mean, it's pushed up against the boards, but there was like a foot of snow just pushed up against the sides. And it looked like my driveway. <laughs> That's crazy. Right. Oh, man. Yeah, I've never seen the bucket completely filled after one clear. <laughs> yeah they said it's the what is it the 16 14 and 10 minute mark they usually do it or 14 12 and 10 i think and uh they played they played right through the three stoppages that they would normally clean the ice on so we're just like oh shit now what but uh it it really unfortunately went to the islanders advantage to have really long play and have everyone kind of tired because like i said they play boring hockey like they just they sit back and wait for you to make a mistake and they'll wait for a power play, something like that. You know, they're not in in any rush to get things done because they're confident in their goaltender. They're confident in their defense. And that's about it. So when you have, what was it? 14 minutes without a whistle, the Islanders kind of just get to control the, the, uh, the play for the most part. And that's what uh, they did. Yeah, definitely. And that first power play opportunity, uh, Holmberg, First period back after being injured, gets sent down to the Marlies just to get up to speed. Damn, I did not notice that he was injured at all just from his the way he played tonight. Um, he was right in there. First shift, draws a penalty or maybe second shift of the night, draws that penalty against Pelek. And wow, I don't know. I'm just impressed with Holmberg. And I'm so glad that Keefe is making room for him in this roster. Yeah, I did not have my money on Pontus Holmberg and Bobby McMahon as the two new guys that we were going to be so impressed with. And uh, welcome to the show, Beaner. Thanks for joining. Hello, hello. Sorry, guys. No problem at all. Um, So just uh, I'm sure you heard me there. But Bobby McMahon and, and Pontus Holmberg really have been impressing as of late. And tonight, like more so than usual, everybody was off about them and uh and the commentator saying, you know, he's he had his one goal overturned and it keeps looking like every night that he plays, he's going to get another one. So what uh, what are you liking about him, Beaner? Just the drive like he's he's a dog that hasn't been fed in two weeks. right? <laughs> <laughs> so it, that, that's what it seems like. You can't stop him the entire time he's out there on the ice. He just does not stop. And goes, goes, goes. And he's got that big size that he's not going to get pushed around too easily. So it's really nice to see. And it's it's a good boost of energy, right? Yeah. And one thing that we saw tonight that we don't normally see is over 11 minutes from both Holmberg, McMahon, and Aston Reese uh, pushing almost 12 minutes. So normally what we've seen is like, you know, that seven to nine minute mark for a lot of these, uh, like the last two forwards, and they've been protecting them. But now that they've 
become confident in the bottom six. It seems like they're they're getting a lot more ice time. Is it just me or does he kind of look like Jack Eichel? I it's hard to find because there's no picture of him anywhere. Like all of his stat things are still blank on NHL.com. <laughs> Let me look um, up Bo- on hockey what Bobby DB. Looks like. The of picture's course, not that DB. great. Hockey but... DB has a picture of him and NHL.com doesn't. That's crazy. No. But in person, like that that surprises you, really? Yeah, it shouldn't, but <laughs> um on TV, I don't know. Maybe it's just the curls come popping out a little. I know uh Jack has a little bit of a fro, but something reminds me of Jack Eichel. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. If you like mixed him and Dryden Hunt together, you'd get Jack Eichel, I think. Yeah, that's their baby. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Um, speaking of Dryden Hunt, waivers. Yeah. Were we, I mean, really, we were going to waive Dennis Mulligan. That was the whole point of the trade in the first place. Uh, do we think this was kind of a, a waste of time or what? It's really weird. Um, n- number one, the fact that we put a player on waivers and they actually cleared yeah, <laughs> and just like I, I wasn't disappointed with what he brought because it's not like we're expecting him to come in and score fifty or to fight everybody every game. Oh God, no. Um, yeah, it's it. Uh, some people were hoping that maybe he would get claimed to free up a roster spot. That way, a move could be made. It's there's not really there's not really any any set reason why they would have done this that's blatantly obvious anyways yeah see in my mind if you wanted to free up a roster space you were more likely to lose dennis mulligan to waivers than dryden hunt so i just i feel like they took a swing on him trying to bring in some muscle and it just didn't really pan out in the short term that they they tried him out in so i don't know that's kind of probably the last we're gonna see of him i don't know seems like it I don't know. It feels like there's a rotation of Hunt and McMahon and like these last set of players sort of. It's like whoever's hungry, who's hungriest that night gets the shot sort of thing. Or even Simmons. Like it seems like Simmons getting the original six teams and then they're putting certain players versus other teams. Um, I don't know. See, I would rather Dryden Hunt than Wayne Simmons in the lineup. As much as I love Wayne, I think he's just getting to that tail end of his career and he's just taking careless penalties. Hunt is still hungry and trying to find his place in the lineup. I think Simmons is kind of at that point where he's like, I don't, I, I'm going to play this my way because I've been here so long. And it's it works for him sometimes and it's worked against him other times. So I think Hunt is just in a better position for what the Leafs need right now. And I just wish that, you know, they would try him out a little more in in that role, maybe with McMahon and and Holmberg. But Aston Reese has kind of stuck himself in there. He's one that I'm still I don't know. I'm not sold on. The thing I do appreciate about Czar is that every time he's out there, he finishes his checks or he finishes whatever he's doing. Like, for example, he didn't even have the puck. He was just skating towards an Islander. And I guess the Islander just, 
I don't know, flick the puck away. Like he made it known that his presence was there, gave him a little elbow <laughs> along the boards and then left the player. Like I appreciate the physicality that he brings and yeah, like with this whole hunt thing, my mind keeps going back to some sort of deadline or something that we spoke about where rosters had to be finalized. And if we had to lose someone who wasn't exempt to waivers, they had to go down on waivers. Like, is that a rule or am I making this up in my head? Like, is it too late in the season? And that's why he got placed on waivers. No. So the, the, the waiver thing is essentially the whole year. Um, there's only a, a certain number of call-ups you can have between the trade deadline and the playoffs, though. Um, obviously, if there's extenuating circumstances, you can call someone up on an emergency basis. But for the most part, I'd have to. I, I don't recall exactly what it is because it has fluctuated, especially with COVID and everything. The last couple of years, things have changed, and I'm not sure if they've changed it back or not. Mm-hmm. But at one point, I I want to say it was like five or seven different players you could call up after the deadline and i think oh. once you and clear you're cleared for like 20 days or something you can like go up and down in that time so it's it gets weird but there is a certain time there's a cutoff for for sending guys down to not be considered part of the roster but that's like back in november okay i don't know i couldn't find the date online but yeah Anyways, one thing that I really kind of threw me off that I haven't seen yet. I don't know. Maybe I keep missing these games that it happens. But first intermission, Keith Yandel, an analyst. Have you guys watched him much? Like, this is my first time tonight. And I was like, oh, my God, what am I watching? (laughs) And then I Googled it and he got hired this year. And I'm like, oh, he seems like an odd choice because he doesn't look super comfortable in front of the camera. It's like, oh, retired star. Let's just put him on the panel because it's a name that people recognize. But I don't know if he really wants to be there. Like, it it just <laughs> seems like he's not super um, experienced with. I mean, look, hockey players don't give great interviews. So now he's on the other side of it. And he's like, oh, shit, I got to, like, think about what I'm going to say now instead of just reading a script. <laughs> And uh, I don't know. It seems like he's a little out of his element. He might get it if they stick him there long enough. But I feel like there's other players that are just good at this, like P.K. Subban, you know, just naturally. And he's, you know, things can come to people with with practice, but it just doesn't seem natural to him. Yeah, like there was always talk about when he was in the dressing room, he was a, a player that like a, a teammate that other players liked having on their team because he was good in the room and, and he had a little bit of a, a personality. And I find it's his personality is not necessarily coming through or he's just very like plain or monotone. I, I don't know how to describe it. His very, very first game, I think it was, I think it actually was a Leaf game as well. It was brutal. Not that he was wrong with anything he said or anything like that but it was just it was very very hard to watch because you could tell he was very uncomfortable wow um i mean it's not like he's so he's gotten a no i was gonna say it's not like he's used to going through hair and makeup and getting a suit put on him and then sat in front of lights and a camera and everything like it's a, a much different experience than like a press conference when you're a player yeah absolutely 
Yeah, when I Googled it, uh, apparently he got a lot of backlash when he said the New Jersey Devils weren't going to make the playoffs back in late November, early December, something like that. And that was when they were on their huge heater. Yeah, well, they still might not. So, Yeah, who knows? But damn, Anders Lee scoring end of the first period you know only how many seconds left? 22 points lee 22 seconds left and we're like holy shit going into the second hoping things get better and yes what a second period guys six goals was it or total yeah six five no 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 five goals in the second period damn speaking of lee did you hear rush hour four is coming out i did not Oh my god. <laughs> Bean just put his head down in his hands like, oh my lord. But I'm looking forward to it. The third one was okay. The first two are definitely not aged well classics. Oh yeah. There's certain movies that as much as you may have loved them, they they would not have been able to be made now. No, oh, I of course. <laughs> I think it, I showed the first one to my girlfriend because she hadn't seen it. And like three quarters of the movie, I was like, I'm so sorry. I do not remember this being this inappropriate. Like, and it wouldn't have been then. It would have just been like, this is humor. Now it's like, oh, my God, this is so bad. Oh, my God. This reminds me that. I made my partner watch a movie and she fucking hated it. Um, have you guys seen Team America? <laughs> oh, Lord. I have it on DVD from way uh, back in the day. Yeah, I wa- uh, we watched Team America. It was her first time maybe, during the pandemic and she hates crude jokes. So... You can't even qu- quote that movie in public. <laughs> no. Like you would get canceled for quoting any line that is supposed to be a joke in that movie now. Like it's insane. It's because every time we're in the US, I'm like, America, fuck, fuck yeah. yeah. And she's just like, what are you singing? And I'm just like, just wait. You got to get all the songs, okay? And they're horrible. I do not uh, suggest this movie. Every time <laughs> we have to sh- we have to shoot a montage at work, I'm always, you know, montage, montage. <laughs> it's like the only thing you can get away with. Everything people ask what that's from. Don't worry about it. Don't don't look up anything else from that movie. <laughs> oh, it's taking all my power not to burst out right now. Okay, second uh, period. This, yeah. William Nylander and JT. I just I had a I had a little tinfoil hat conspiracy theory uh, in the second. Do you think there's so we we've talked about this starting on time thing. Meanwhile, the Leafs still hold or again hold the highest goal differential in the second period. Do we think there's a bit of a coaching strategy here to kind of laying off the first period and figuring out the strategy of the other team, playing them out a bit, and then just going 120 percent in the second, or is this just kind of how the Leafs have lucked out this year. Because it seems a little strange that like the starts of their games have been so, I don't want to say lackadaisical, but like a little sloppy sometimes against teams that they shouldn't be. And then the second period, it's like, like I tweeted, hold my beer. Like I, I don't get it. They become a completely different team. They turn it on. And it, it seems like there's some sort of a strategy maybe to this. I could see it. Um, especially with the the puck possession game that the Leafs want to play a lot of the times, right? Because in the second period, you can really take advantage of that long change and how it's a lot harder to change on the fly, especially when you have prolonged 
periods of, of play between whistles. So you get a couple shifts in a row of the Leafs doing their thing and possessing the puck, even if they're not really getting shots, if they're possessing it in the offensive end, then it's very easy to tire the opposition out, goat them into either making a really bad play and getting scored on or taking a really stupid penalty. So I, I could definitely see it, but I don't think you'll ever hear anybody admit to no. it. Like hearing someone admits, yeah, let's just lay back in the first period because well, that'll never go over well. It's not about laying back. It's about, you know, playing maybe defensively and uh, observational game, getting the notes on the opponent, letting them think that you're, you know, taking things a little slow, let them think they're in control and then come out in the second. Or maybe they just literally start slow every night and Keith screams at them every first intermission and they're like, oh, my God, fine. (laughs) Just so we don't have to hear this next intermission. Like, I don't know what it is. Well, the the Leafs aren't used to starting on time, okay, bud? So it's not no, nothing new there. And uh, I kind of, I, I'm just joking, guys. But <laughs> I see that perspective. Like as much as you can study the other team, you never really fully know until you're on the ice. And maybe some guys got scratched and you're not expecting it. Like Noah Dobson tonight didn't play. I was going to say, right? Like that makes a huge change. You want to see how they play with someone different in the lineup. Yeah. And Nylander said after the game and in his post-game interview, like we were sleepy and then we came out in the second after we realized that we were too sleepy in the first. And it it's maybe it's just as simple as that. Like go back after the first, they're like, oh, this isn't working. This isn't working. I can't find you on my pass. Blah, 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 blah. And then Keith is like, fine. Okay, let's do this. And it worked. I'm just glad it worked because it, what a sweet sequence, man. Nylander almost racking up 400 points tonight, almost five po- points to reach that uh, milestone of his. Yeah, I mean, um, Nylander's what one away. He went from 495 to 499. Everyone's like, okay, five points. Let's do it. Get it tonight. Um, sorry, I'm just trying to figure out. None of these things show how many face-offs these guys took. They just show their face-off percentage. And I'm like, no, I want to see who, like how many they took, though. Because what, what players specifically are you looking for? Well, because it says Yarncroke, Engvall, and McMahon all at 100%. And I want to know, I mean, how mm. many? Yarncroke took one. Okay, still. Mm. Engvall took one. McMahon took one. Go. Matthews took 10. Camp six, Tavares three, Holmberg two. Okay. That's weird. Uh, Tavares took three. This is all by Money Puck. Money Puck breaks everything right Sweet. down. Um, Yarn Croak, I'm just looking at his stat line. Like this guy, we have him signed for the longest of any of the forwards currently. And uh, I think everybody's really liking what they're seeing. It Like I keep saying it took about, what, 20 games for him to figure out what he's doing here. But since then, I mean, this is the most goals he scored in a while. Hell yeah. He's sorry, Steph. No, he's he's really found his confidence that he lost in Calgary, right? As I've joked multiple times, Sutter completely even forgot that he was ever there, so <laughs> he never got a chance to really play. Um but the guy's been nothing but consistent his entire career. He's not gonna go out and lead the league in scoring, because that's not the player he is. But he is that effective consistent player who's gonna drag your team into it he is what we've been praying Engvall to be Mm -hmm. since Engvall came up yeah 
the consistency. Engvall has it in flashes, just he doesn't have it all the time. Yeah, and I mean, Yarncroke's on pace for his best season ever, just looking at his stats here. Through 40 games, he's got 22 points, 10 goals, 12 assists, which is fantastic. Um, and Nashville, his highest through 81 games was 31 points and 35 points in 68 games. So, I mean, really, the dude's on pace for 44. Like, that's that's crazy. Yeah, he's good for a point, uh, half a point a game pretty much. Uh, no goals in 17 games with Calgary, 11 goals in 40 games with Toronto. So it's looking good, and it always helps to have JT or any of our top six guys core on your wing. And tonight, I was just happy to see that drive, man, like finding that loose puck, especially if Hall's going to lob it out to mid-ice grabbing that and staying confident not panicking it's all starts off the first goal you know jt super calm he had two guys on his back he's just like nope lobs it right to nylander and then even when jt scored his goal it was like even though he's on a breakaway no panic he's just calm cool leading the way captain oh captain yes yeah and uh just while we're talking breakaways Michael Bunting came in for his and was taken down. I want to talk about penalty shots for a sec because there was a lot of opinion about this. Uh, penalty shots, what do you guys think of them before I bring up what everyone on Twitter thought? What, what's what's your feeling on getting to shoot and then whether you get it or not, it's just back to play. Steph, start with you. Hmm. It's hard, right? Um, because do you want two minutes of opportunity to try and get a goal or do you want to repeat your breakaway without any pressure behind you and hope that it goes on on your first chance? Um, I really think it's on the shooter and maybe instead of if people want to get rid of the rule, maybe allow the team on this specific type of play or penalty choose. Like, would that be so wrong to let the team choose or would that be unfair? Like, Beaner, I'm going to go to you because Steph's starting to verge on what some other people thought here. Sorry. I, for the record, <laughs> I, want, I did not read them. The response. I just want to <laughs> I just want to know what how do you feel about the penalty shot? No, no suggesting of other things. But like, what do you think it it adds or takes away from the game? Well, originally say before the lockout, it was something that was very exciting. You didn't see it all the time and people loved seeing it. Now, since the the big lockout happened in 05 or 04, 05, they brought the shootout out. So there's not as many shootouts as there was before. So it's, it's not like it's completely boring or anything like that. But if you look at the penalty shot, just as, as an entity in and of, in and of itself, I still think it's valid and has a place in the game because if you're taking that good of a scoring chance away, it's good to give it right back at that time because one-on-one player versus goalie, not only do you have the excitement, which is amazing for the fans, it helps rectify the fact that there was a scoring chance that just disappeared, which ultimately is what they're trying to do, right? So it does serve its purpose, especially considering there's a lot of teams out there who has horrible power plays. 
like the Leafs have been there before where we've gone through a stretch where our power play percentage is just absolutely horrible. And it gets to a point where you want to just, you know, refuse the penalty. No, we'll just play five on five. Oh, I remember those days. Um, my own feeling on it, I feel like a breakaway in a game is such a unique situation that you cannot accurately recreate it by having someone take a penalty shot. Like the idea of someone breaking away from, I mean, literally what it's, what it's called a breakaway you're breaking away from the game while the goalie is is maybe not expecting this to happen and they have to adjust quickly to oh shit it's one-on-one and they don't have a nice voice crack roscoe uh they don't have a ton (laughs) of time to get themselves in position and i feel like when you have a penalty shot you're starting from center ice and it's all about you and the goalie and there's equal pressure on the shooter and the goalie whereas i feel like in a breakaway there's a little more pressure on the goalie if that makes sense to to try to figure out what's going on and the shooter is kind of in control whereas the control is split between the goalie and the the shooter in a, in a penalty shot because it's it's kind of a one-on-one situation like in soccer but a little easier to stop isn't that the same starting from center ice and then going on a breakaway depending on the breakaway like sometimes there's no one on your back and it could yeah be. from center ice but i'm talking like if you're coming across the blue line quickly and it's like oh shit like the goalie i don't know there's a difference between having like the couple minutes to be like okay i'm getting my head in the space not a couple yeah. minutes but like the 45 seconds or whatever it is to be like okay i'm about to face him one-on-one where does this guy normally shoot where did i where you know last time we had a shootout against these guys what did he do like those kinds of things where you don't have time for any of that on a breakaway so i feel like it's I get, obviously, it's impossible to recreate it, but I feel like just to say, oh, we're, we're giving that chance right back is it's kind of hard, like, because it's not the same thing. So here's what everybody else thinks. Uh, Passion Haver um, at Ilya Mikheyev BB <laughs> uh, <laughs> says, just get rid of the penalty shot in general, to be honest, which I wouldn't really hate. Um Next suggestion here from TJ4772409. That's too much. Uh, should be sort of like the NFL coach can accept or decline the penalty shot. If he declines, it's a power play, which okay. I would also like. Um, Christopher Spree at, uh, or Spee at Spee Christopher said the same thing. Uh, at least get to decide what you want to do. And then uh, Aaron, it would be great to have the option to decline it and get a power play instead. Fun guy, a bunch should have just used a clapper from the slot. And uh, then Jeff O'Hara saying, um, agreeing with me, which my point was you should get a power play if you don't score on the penalty shot. Because um, I feel like regardless of interrupting of the scoring chance, there was still a minor penalty that happened. So the penalty is not exactly penalized if the person gets one attempt to retake the shot and then we go back to five on five. I feel like that's not exactly penalizing the person for what they did. Am I wrong there? No. Well, it, it <laughs> technically they would be because you they've just been given a free chance at the net, right? Yeah. Un, I guess. Uh, unobstructed. That's, yeah. Um, and then there's also the, the weird fact of certain penalties you can actually choose from any player on the ice to take the shot as well that's weird but i mean like i don't know if you guys remember the 06 cup final between edmonton and carolina the one defender for carolina put his hand on the puck in the crease and chris pronger got a penalty shot 
<laughs> because the uh, McTavish could pick any player from the ice, and Pronger was the best option on the ice at the time. So he scored on the first penalty shot, the first penalty shot goal in Stanley Cup final history. Wow! Amazing. Yeah, but well, per my per my point though, sorry, Steph. Uh, nope. JT scored off of a breakaway on a power play, which is something that can happen. So like. That's kind of what I mean is if you give them two minutes, those things can happen. You can get a breakaway and a scoring chance. It's I just feel like if we're going to say that when you do one of these things to a player, like if Michael Bunting was doing that exact same thing, but there was a defenseman beside the goalie, that's a two minute minor. You get what I mean? Like it's just it it's silly that because there's nobody there, it's penalty shot, take one shot and that's it. We're going back to play. I feel like we just get rid of it. Maybe give them the option, but I'm more leaning towards just get rid of it. I don't care. There's also the potential safety issue, right? The percentage chance of a goal being scored on a penalty shot over a power play. I don't have the exact numbers, but it's got to be higher. So you're less likely or you should be less likely to, to perform a penalty that would be severe enough to cause a penalty shot. And then if you negate that and it's just an ordinary penalty, you could potentially have some dangerous situations where if you have a guy trailing, he's not going to care because there's no penalty shot. It's just a penalty. So he might be tripping someone from behind as he's chasing him down or something. Who knows? Right. So the all time percentage is thirty three and a half percent, which would be like the number one team's power play in the league. Yeah. Yeah. Leafs are zero. So definitely a higher higher percentage chance oh and five on the season the rat are bunting's first career penalty shot i guess the the islanders had no chance to really chalk up what he was going to do uh they know he's not a shooter but he still had a good chance right uh obviously sorokin is a all-star goalie but our elia the battle of the elias tonight it's was just making him look silly. Uh, 872 for Sorokin tonight and 939 for Samsonov. Um, I don't know. I applaud Sorokin. Don't get me wrong. And say with Hellebuck the other night, but man, our Leafs are making these all-stars look silly lately. Yeah, I just wish they could make some like AHL goalies look silly for once. We're not going to talk about Saturday. <laughs> Yeah, I. You know what? Just I just want to say I'm not surprised because it's always the AHL teams that try their gosh darnest against the Leafs, if not yeah. any other team. But hey, it's oh. their highlight of their career, right? Playing against the Leafs. A real quick aside on the Habs: uh, Slavkovsky out, Cole Caulfield out. Like that hurts. I mean, we can get into a whole thing next time about the management of some of these prospects. Cause I think we can get into it with, with Ottawa and with Vancouver and everybody as well. And, and with the, um, I mean, comparing to what Seattle is doing right now with Shane Wright, especially, um, it kind of sucks, but like, you're kind of asking for it by playing these kids, um, in the big leagues on a shit team when you're trying to lose. So with yeah. Caulfield, it's hard. Cause I didn't realize I looked him up. He's 22 already. I mean, fuck, it's getting up there um, as far as prospects. So, but go. like he came over from the NCAA and when he came in, he immediately was effective, right? Yeah. Like he, he has that shot and he has that, you know, 
that instant game-breaking ability, almost similar to a Matthews, because he is dangerous from pretty much anywhere on the ice. So with him, it's a little bit different. With Slavkovsky, if, if you're going to keep him there, fine. They're not even really using him that much. He should have played a handful of games at least down in the ball just to get, you know, to be able to dominate a little bit. And why they didn't send him to the World Juniors just blows my mind because it's not like he was going across the world. Quebec to Nova Scotia is not that it's far. The closest, one of the closest teams, if not the closest to them. <laughs> like th- that was, in my mind, a big mistake. And then just touching on it briefly because you brought it up, I don't necessarily think I would agree with how they handled Shane Wright in Seattle. But at the same time, there's a lot to be said for even if he's not playing a lot, being around the team, getting practice with the team, getting with the trainers, the nutritionists. Not that he wasn't doing that on his own already, but to be and to to get really solidified in, in the game plan that the nutritionists, the trainers, the development staff want you to do to work towards next year, right? So that you can build that foundation that you can take with you wherever you end up going, whether you end up going back to junior, you stay there, whatever it is, you've now been around the team for long enough that you can make that a routine. That that could play a factor in it. I obviously have no idea. I haven't read it anywhere, but I've heard different analysts that used to play say that before, whereas it's not always about the game time with certain players. It can be about being around the atmosphere and seeing everything on a day-to-day basis. I get that, but I feel like at... 18 you don't necessarily need to be rushed into being around that team atmosphere like you can ease them into it by like okay you've been a star where you are now you're going to be a star in the ahl for you know a year like look at what the leafs did with with cadre and hyman and and even like the kneelander all these guys that that sat around on the marley's playing while the team was trying to be bad like i feel like the fact that that montreal rushed him in when there was no reason for them to go for anything this year it just it didn't make sense and now i mean look ottawa was in a different position entirely but like the fact that josh norris is out now is just like two teams that are not trying to win and having their stars of the future out is like ugh, just nail in the coffin but also a with, help to the bottom for bedard i don't <laughs> yeah with with caulfield there might have been something when he signed like, even if it's not in the contract, they might have promised him saying, hey, look, you're not, you know, we're going to give you a legitimate shot to stay with Could the be. team to convince him to leave university early, right? Sometimes you have to do that to get a player to come out or else they're just going to finish their schooling career and wait until then. But Slavkovsky, they, th- there's no excuse. Whether they didn't want to get chastised for taking him first overall and then sending him down to the AHL or, or what, because especially with him, you had the ability to send him to the AHL. Like Shane Wright, there's not that choice. But Slavkovsky, you could have done that. And here we are. So, um, <laughs> want to go to some questions, Steph? Yeah, might as well. We have a- this is our this is our. I want to. I'm going to name it. This is our segment where we go to questions from Twitter and Discord. It's called Questions from Twitter. Wait for it, and Discord. <laughs> so original i'm gonna record a thing for it we're gonna have a whole intro for it next time 
sounds good. <laughs> well, I just want to say shout out to Austin Matthews for getting my Tim's pick. Thank you very much because I was nice. getting a little worried there and I needed that. So nice night from our poppy and nice assist from Hall. But yeah, oh, big win. And sad. Marner's home point streak ended. Yeah. But Matthews is up to what is it, sixteen game home uh, point uh, home streak there with ten straight games with points. Uh, Twenty four games, he has thirty two points, sixteen goals. So I really do think that heater is here and it's on its way. A couple, you know, uh, if he doubles down in a couple games or a hat trick coming up, uh, I think he'll be on pace. But did you hear that stat in the game that Gretzky had a season where he had f- points in 40 of 41 home games? Wow. <laughs> Not surprised. I, I think that was when he had his 50 and 39. That's gross. Wow. Everybody's like, oh, what happened to that one game? And honestly, like, what did happen that one game, boy? Come on. So at Thrash TV asks on Twitter, should it be Shout legal? Shout out. Should it be legal to beat up people who still say bad things about Nylander? <laughs> so <laughs> Nylander had a fantastic game and I tweeted out that he's doing everything that they, the people are saying, the people that say things, um, your uncle that wants to trade Nylander says about him. He does, uh, he, he did all the things that they say he doesn't do. He stole the puck right off of somebody's stick and immediately shot it in. He was playing defensively in, you know, ways that he just was made fun of for not doing before. And yeah. look, somebody made a really good point about it here. I think it was Benito the Basset Hound about like you see him instead of taking the 50-50 chance of going into the corner to try to come out with that puck. He just waits for the Islanders to grab it and then steals it off their stick as soon as they try to get momentum going because they're not paying attention. Yeah. Even uh, just the defensive play on his goal, you know, knocking the puck right from Mayfield in the Islanders zone and creating that space for him and just taking the shot, spinning, taking the shot and getting in there. If he wasn't in that corner or able to block that shot, that goal would have, you know, that puck would have been on the opposite end. Uh, He was going to clear that puck. Yeah. And shout out to the uh, Drop Hockey podcast and uh, James Castillo on Twitter for basically saying the exact same thing here as well about how uh, he robs guys, uh, robs the puck off guys all the time is in anticipation and hand eye superb. And uh, he's good enough defensively. Not every player is a defensive guru. His offensive skill should always be first and foremost. So. Well, and like you see it a lot with Marner and Marner, for some reason, Marner gets credit for it. And Nylander doesn't. And it's exactly what you touched on is Yes. You know, old school Don Cherry hockey, go in the corner, battle it out, muck and grind it to get the puck. You don't have to anymore. Mm -hmm. With some of these players, they are so skilled. Like, I would take Marner one-on-one trying to get a puck off anybody's stick in the league. And especially with how he's playing this year, I would take Nylander in the same situation. So he doesn't have to put himself in that vulnerable position. No offense to Bunting or Hyman or anybody like that that play that style, but he's able to not have to sacrifice the potential for an injury to go in the corner to get the puck by doing what you were saying. Just, yeah, yeah, go ahead, get it. 
I'm just going to strip it from you anyways. Yeah, and it doesn't help having a front row seat, you know, alongside Austin Matthews, who is an expert at this. Literally, he won't even touch you physically, but all of a sudden, it's like he just stole your watch, right? And you had no idea. He's just up the other end with the puck, and Nylander, damn, no, he's definitely taken that Swedish play from that tournament and brought it to this season, like I've asked for, and... Oh, no, no Nylander slander. Okay. Well, it's like when you start sprinting in the night and blah, 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 when you start sprinting in an NHL game, you know, and your your guys kind of pushing the puck forward a bit. They they get the guys when they're OK. They just got the puck. And now it's that first stride where they're trying to pick up their speed. That's when they have the least control of it. And that's when these guys are like, and mine. Thank you. I've noticed every single time. It's as soon as the guys go to start picking up speed and turn it the other way. They're like, nah, thanks. Or when they're turning and not paying like, attention, but <laughs> the the way Matthews does it, like you brought up Matthews there, Steph, it's so reminiscent to me, anyways, of how Datsuk used to do it. Because mm-hmm. he would be hovering around the player, you know, he's not he's not constantly pestering him with the stick like a like Bunting does, or like a, a lot of players do, mm-hmm. where they're just stick, 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 go and go and hoping to knock it off it almost looks like they're just hovering around them. They're they're their shadow. And then the next thing you know, it's off of the opposition stick and onto yours. Datsuk was like, there was a a reason he was called the magic man, right? He just took it and went down the other end and deked everybody out of their jockstrap. And that's basically what Matthews is able to do. It's just another tool in his tool belt on top of the fact that he's got probably the best release in the league. Speaking of magic, man, it's funny when Mitch tries to do that and he, uh, over, um, what's it called what's the word over uh, um uh throws himself the it's too much to one side um <laughs> over commits over commits to the play thank you thanks thanks for the help guys appreciate it sorry um Couldn't you know, understand sitting there your... muted doesn't even try uh, <laughs> <laughs> um so when when martyr over commits to one side he just like blows a tire like you can see him try to switch back he's like shit i thought i had you and he like falls down it's so funny because you anybody that doesn't watch him night in and night out would be like why does this guy suck and fall over it's like no no, no just wait <laughs> Yeah, and shout out to Marner, who's second on the team uh, tonight with hits, actually with four tying Zach Aston Reese and Bobby McMahon. The hit leader was Justin Hall with five. So as we're talking about, you know, not using your body in these situations, Marner's still out there using his body in situations that are appropriate right like if you don't have to throw yourself at the guy and you're able to pickpocket him why not if you're going to slow yourself down for no reason don't just pick up speed and this is what's going to fool people sorry oh yeah okay got to move through these um benito the basset hound asks so uh we've got david camp at 99 willie's at 399 does willie get to 400 or camp get to 100 first Willie, absolutely, with how hot he is right now. Yeah, it's got to be. It could be honestly like in the same game, like with yeah. how these guys play. Um, but honestly, I'm going to say Willie. I'm happy that both of them are so close to a milestone. I feel like everyone's hitting them this year. Everyone's going to come out of the season with uh, commemorative pucks, which is nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> next question. Do the bees have something we don't have, tangible or intangible? This is from Stephen Kowalczak. 
Benito the Basset Hound says mass luck. Uh, that state has been on a roll for damn near 20 years. So uh, what do the Bruins have that we don't? Uh, they don't have a curse. Um, I would say what the Bruins have is cap freedom because they have a bunch of guys on sweetheart deals and it allows them to spend more money on filling out their depth. Um, True. That's just, you know, what the what they managed to do. I don't get it. I don't understand why these guys took so little money to resign there, but it's really worked out in their favor as far as being able to consistently win. So, you know, that means something to some athletes, I guess, more than money. <laughs> it's... Uh... Basically, for some reason, Boston's been able to do that forever because even Ray Bork, when he was there back in the day, was the best defenseman in the league for the longest time. And he wasn't one of the highest paid in the league at all. Um, so they've got a, a history, a culture there, really, of getting guys to take hometown discounts. I don't. Maybe it's a great place to play. I'm not sure. Yes, they're very hot right now. They Everything they seem to do seems to be going perfectly. But I don't know if this is just me being optimistic, if it's what it is. You can't go through an entire season and never have anything go wrong for you. So I would almost be a little nervous if I was them at, you know, running into a hot goalie in the playoffs or who knows, right? You look at way back in the day when you had the one of the best teams in the league in the Washington Capitals. And then Montreal comes in with Yarrow Halak in net and just makes a run in the playoffs. Yeah, I feel like the Bruins have had luck is probably one of the biggest things. I mean, like the fact that Linus Allmark has lost like a collective, I don't know, three games is insane. That just doesn't happen. He's playing better than, you know, 99 percent of goalies ever have in the nhl and that's just not in his wheelhouse like that just, just shouldn't be happening it's like when players are shooting way above their percentage it's like the entire team is playing above percentage and somehow like the devil's you know crazy win streak it's it's just keeping going i don't know they just there's no sign of stopping yet so it's got to come sometime right like i'm thinking of the panthers last year like you can't go all season on fire and and continue that through the playoffs. And I mean, when the Leafs have played them, they've looked beatable. I don't know. I'm trying to find something here, but yeah. Uh, all Mark becoming the fastest goalie in NHL history to get 25 wins on a season. Now no he's kidding. 25, two and, and one. Um, he's Jesus. at a nine, 38 on the season it's boosted his career average to 917 because if we look at the buffalo days um he was still an awesome goalie he was still over 900 but he's been through it right like uh he i don't know now he has support in front and can i just can i just make a prediction right now sorry whoever gets carol vamelka next year is doing the exact same thing yeah I totally agree with that. Vesmelka. Not next year, but next. Wh- whoever gets Carol Vemelka out of Arizona is going to go on some stupid run like this. It's it's these goalies that sit around on garbage teams and they get really good facing 40 shots a night. And they're like, guys, my save percentage isn't that bad. This team just sucks. And then one person notices and pulls them out of there. And they're like, hey, look at this guy. Yeah. 
But that that doesn't always work for a lot of goalies, though. Like some goalies, they need those shots to be effective. You can still take like, 40 uh, shots a night somewhere else, but the rest of the team can help you out and score a couple goals and maybe make sure that you don't face like nine high danger chances and maybe only three of them. But typically, like the, the kind of streak you're talking about, you're going from a bot, like a cellar dweller like the Sabres have been for a while to a contender. Like look at um, look at Hoshik. Hoshik was on the Sabres and he was everything for the Sabres. Like the guy won almost all the Vesnas in the 90s, including winning the Hart Trophy as well. Like he was incredible. Dragged. A, a Buffalo team that could barely score to the Stanley Cup final in 1999. And then he went to Detroit and he had multiple games where he struggled because you had a team that was essentially an entire roster of Hall of Famers that he went to play for. So instead of getting, you know, 30, 40 shots a night, he was getting 17, 18, 19. I mean, yeah, but the Leafs gave up 33 tonight against the Islanders. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it, it still happens like people. And I feel like teams are facing a lot more shots now than they did then, regardless of, of how good or bad you are. And the other thing is, um, can you say the name of the Red Wings again? What city are they in? The toy. Detroit. OK, just you know, that wasn't how you said it, but I know how you usually oh, say uh-oh. it. Just check, uh, just doing Detroit. a little do, do a little Brian and Stewie there. There was definitely a little forced eye in that Detroit. It was totally unnecessary. I think the biggest thing with the Bruins, honestly, um, obviously they're all in, especially with you have guys like Pasternak, Bergeron, Creechie only came back for one year, but there's a handful of players still on their last year as unrestricted free agents. Jeremy Swayman is a restricted free agent after this year. But the coaching change, got to give credit to the coach. Creechie even said in an interview that it's made a world of difference. And obviously their former coach is working out for Vegas. So maybe it was time for a change of scenery. Yeah, good for them. Yeah, I mean, it's true. Like coaching clearly has made a difference there because they were not everybody thought this was going to be the year they finally fall off after how they looked towards the end of last year. But clearly everything back together in a new coach and it's like back to 2012 again. So, Oh Lordy. I'd say more like 2013 when they had the collapse in the final. Hopefully. (laughs) Um, Next question from Zapper V I blue and white. Um, you think they're going to give Sammy some runway here, right? Or you got to think they're going to give Sammy some runway here, right? Uh, I get they're technically working the tandem system, but he's putting in some solid performances. And that pass. Whew. I I mean, I said we were going to see a little back and forth here. I was wrong. It seems like they're going to ride out what's working. Like, it's weird that they could have bad games back and forth. And it was like, okay, we're just going to keep the back and forth going doesn't matter how well people play you know one person has a bad one we're just gonna keep going back and forth and then all of a sudden it's like murray has one bad period and now it's like it's sammy's net yeah well i think you saw like because before murray had that sammy had a couple rough starts that's what i mean and why is murray just getting this when we're done 
I'm wondering if it's potentially, I wouldn't necessarily say load management, but maybe something's tweaked a little bit. That's and good. And sure, true. Sa- Sammy's got hot. Why not ride him? Like at some point during the season, you're probably going to see both these guys go on a four or five game run. If not just for the sake of being able to see what they can do when they know it's their net that like they're riding it. Cause come playoff time, doesn't matter how well or how poorly they're playing chances are you're going with one yeah it's just do you want to write off not write off one of them this early i mean we're at the halfway point but it's like i i don't know i i just feel like we're we're really doing murray dirty for one bad period like it it feels like he has to kind of really fight his way back a little more than than it has been the case up to this point. I wouldn't think it's that. Like, look at how often he's been injured over the past couple of years and how many games he's missed. Like, I I don't see, unless there's something going on where it's a really bad negative atmosphere in the dressing room, I can't see this as being a problem. As long as everybody's communicating what the plan is, like, hey, just a heads up, we're not giving up on you. We're giving you some time to reset, work on what you need to work on, heal up if you need, whatever you need, take the time now to do it. We're going to ride Sammy because he's playing a little hot. And I can see this coaching staff, this management group being that type of group that's going to just be open and honest with you right off the hop because they know Your game's been what's going to happen in the media. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just hope that we don't get him rusty, that's all. Yeah. Steph, I, what do you think? We don't see what happens in practice either. So who knows? The coaching staff could have seen some really soft ones go in during, I don't know, line rushes. Who knows, right? Or maybe he said something. But our next opponent is the Rangers. Um, they It is the Rangers. So they won tonight 6-2 to two against the Panthers. Uh, Sammy's 13-0-1 at home, leads the NHL at home wins, win percentage, goals against average, tied for save percentage, second overall in the league. You got to ride it. Yeah, yeah. And especially, you know, all-star break is coming up. You might as well try to accumulate as many points as possible because it is a known trend afterwards. Teams may not go into the groove as easily. So, might as well try and get the points now, ride the hot hand, and yeah, go with the flow. Tonight, like I said earlier, he was, again, at 939, played awesome. I mean, the first one was, uh, it was a one-timer, not really any chance, but it did look a little soft from some angles. But hey, he he did amazingly, and we had the better Ilya at the end of the day. Uh, we had the the Iliad, as I said. The Iliad. <laughs> um, I just have to comment on this because this was in our our inside the rink group chat. Sorry, I just got this notification. Um, obviously, uh, there was a shooting down in California. Um, the San Jose Sharky mascot page tweeted out a picture very low quality of the shark doing the Tebow pose 
like the taking a knee and it says my heart goes out to the community of half moon bay as they work through the tragedy this afternoon and it literally like i'll show the picture is is like like that and everybody was just like what in the hell is this and they have since deleted it it is gone now um that's a big yikes pr wise like who's who thought this was a good idea man i cannot believe that it was a real thing yeah that's clearly fake news because when you were saying shooting and like i didn't hear of it yet maybe i was just slow with the news uh recently maybe it was false i don't know oh boy okay so sorry no there there was seven people fatally shot um they're up to 11 today in half moon bay Oh my god. What I, was that, Johnny? It's up to 11 now, I think. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh my god, I did not see that. Am I in a freaking bubble right now? Like, no, what? it's hard to, or it's easy to, you know, I'm not going to get into it, but it's easy to, to not catch them all. Yeah, true, true, true. A couple more questions. Yeah, questions. Hockey. Thank God for sports, as my dad says. Yes. So, hashtag Leafs Forever at TML. Leafs forever asks, uh, is this a continue? Okay, let's see. Nyes will only have three games before the playoffs start. Unlikely he's seeing the ice then. Bunting remain a top six. Meyer will be too high of a cost. I think Kyle has a surprise coming. What do you guys think? Uh, a lot of talk on Twitter today about Timo Meyer. Um, also a lot of talk about Matty Nyes. He was also nominated, by the way, for, um, best player in the NCAA or the, the Baker award, right? Bean, I'm, I'm screwing M- up the M- name. MVP of the NCAA. Yeah. Thank you. So lots of talk. And also Nathan Bondi says, I'd be nervous having Nyes on the second line unless he's able to come up with the Leafs early and give us some games to assess before the playoffs. Yeah, it's it's tough with Nyes because really we haven't seen anything of him at this level at all. Timo Meyer, on the other hand, we've seen a lot of and know that he's effective. I just... <sighs> yeah. I feel like you keep if you're going to bring in Meyer, I would put I know this sounds insane. I would put Meyer on the second line and keep bunting on the first. But like with I don't know, you've got Yarncroke working there. I get that it's about bringing in another score. It's about like right now it's not about what we need. It's about just improving. And really, I would rather bring in a offensive minded defenseman that can you know, maybe score on the back end or somebody that can be Morgan Riley's partner and be defensive there and allow him to get back to scoring. I've, I'm I'm leaning more towards that than, than spending the prospect and picks on Timo Meyer. Uh, and Nyes is just a question mark. I can't, like, I got to go with Nathan. I can't slot him in on the second line based on what I don't know. Mm-hmm. With, with Nyes, I don't see him coming out of university at the end of the season unless he's guaranteed to play. Kind of sort of similar to what I, I briefly mentioned with Caulfield, right? Like, we don't know what went on behind the scenes, but he was probably guaranteed if he was going to leave, he was going to play. So it'll probably come down to what they're able to do at the deadline. 
if they are able to go out and get someone like a Meyer, then no, I don't see him coming. Wait till next year, you know, go from there. But if they don't end up getting someone like him, I can definitely see Nye's coming and joining the team for playoffs. And who knows what he can do, right? A year can make a massive difference from a player. It doesn't matter whether it's NCAA, OHL, whatever. Like, look at Kale McCarr when he came in for the Avalanche, right? Stepped right out of university, and he was a force in the playoffs for them. Just an aside, do you not recall that Dom Ducharme did not play Cole Caulfield quite a bit when they first brought him in? And that was the whole revelation with Marty St. Louis was, let's put Cole Caulfield back in the lineup. Well, there's a reason Ducharme isn't there anymore. But I'm saying (sighs) there may have been, like, I don't know if there was a promise because Ducharme was like, I'm not doing this. Like, there could have been a bit of, you know, you're going to see games, but like, he was sent down. Mm-hmm. How could I forget? He was watching the first couple of games to get a feel of an NHL experience and taking yeah, freaking so notes. So Ugh. stupid. He had homework instead of playing. Oh my God. But hey, guys, did Theory you see of hockey. Kyle Dubas after Callie Yarncroke scored tonight was super excited in his box, jumped up and turned to his fellow mates and was like, see guys, see, this is why we're not acquiring a big name at trade deadline. We have that from within. I'm afraid that he's thinking this way. (laughs) Are you like, I mean, I, I get that he's not, you know, a 30 or 40 goal scorer, but I mean, even if he comes out of the season with 20, like if he hits 20, like that's really all you need to fill out what you get from Willie and from Matthews this year, right? Like, I don't know how much more of a, like, look, they they won 5-2 tonight against Ilya Sorokin. They scored five against Connor Hellebuck. Like, what more offensive power do we need that we're giving up, you know, potentially the, the next round of this? Like... Yeah, like it's tough to think so far down in the future because like you're trading, you know, 16 year olds or whatever it is at this point with <laughs> draft picks. But, um, you know, as nice as things are now, you want to keep going after this era ends and you don't want to be stuck like the Florida Panthers are where you don't have a, a first round pick for the next three years, potentially four, depending on how the conditions work out. Yeah, I think they just want to be super confident because, hey, regular season, we can score a shit ton and then no one shows up in the playoffs except for Nylander. Yeah, but like like, what's the San Jose Sharks don't have a ton of playoff success to go off of that. You can say Timo Myers, this playoff champion, right? Like true. It's and look, we went after Foligno and that was a bust. I'm not saying that Timo Myers, Nick Foligno. It's just it's that danger of, you know, you never know what you're going to get. Like, look how many guys have gone down with injuries this year. It's it's such a gamble. And I mean, with with what we've already got here in the top 12 forwards, it's like I there's very few adjustments I would make. And they're so far down that it's like not even deadline conversation. It's it's like signings in the offseason. The only thing like and we've touched on it a little bit as well is you got to really be careful of messing with the team chemistry, especially with you have when you have a team from the outside that looks like they're as close as the Leafs are. Yes, I would love to get Timo Meyer. Cost aside, I would absolutely love to get him. I think he could really help this team. But 
I'm I'm more so thinking you would need someone who could drive an entire third line. Because we've seen bunting down on the third. It's not that he's useless, but he's not as effective as you'd want him to be. You're not going to drop Marner down to the third. Right? You're not going to drop Nylander down to the third. Because even when you have, when there's been injuries, you know, they've tried him a couple times as center, whether it's the third line, second line, whatever it is. Nylander, as amazing as he of a season as he's having, he does work better when he has someone with him. Someone to go, like, you know, to a- attack with. So if you could get someone that could completely drive their own line, even if they're a first or second line on their team right now, but they can come in and be a third line guy, I think that would be more beneficial because then you're not subtracting from our top six. Yeah, I think you're right. If anybody's got to come out of this with someone at the deadline, it's one of Engvall or Kerfoot on the third line, right? Like it's the Engvall Kerfoot camp line that's just kind of okay. There's they're not scoring they're not stopping chances they're just kind of killing the clock which isn't a bad thing um you know they can individually kill penalties but as a as a third line you know special teams aside i think that's where you got to make a an adjustment because look we got hounded in by nick paul like you need somebody that's going to come in even if you spend a first round pick on it someone that's kind of come in on the third line and just be that extra, like you said, the, the one driving the whole thing. I don't know if it's replacing Kerfoot, but I think it's, it's gotta be somebody that's on the center there. That's just bringing some kind of identity to that third line. Cause they don't know what to do. Like, like I, I hate comparing to Tampa. Like we always seem to be doing, but when they made their first run, they added Barkley Goudreau and exactly. Braden Coleman. Like, Goudreau and Coleman, and then last year you added Hagel and Paul. Like, it doesn't have to be that high, high end, top end guy. Yeah. And I think those, it's, you know, aside from hating comparing to Tampa, they are constructed very similarly to the Leafs. So they are the, like, you can say, you know, what does Boston have that we don't? Their salary construction is completely different than the Leafs. Tampa's the closest one. It's like comparing, you know, a pig to a human body. You know, if you want to see how pig the human's going to react, you stab a sword through a pig. <laughs> Deadliest warrior, baby. Um, <laughs> so I went off there. It's late. Um, but exactly like like they did. You spend, even if you have to overspend on somebody that's uh, a bottom six forward, if it's going to bring the impact that you need, spend what you have to spend, right? If the person's there, I don't know who that person is this year. I don't Maybe think it's Sean it's Monahan. In a uh, in a real world, I don't know it's if it's him, Meyer or Monahan. It's more like an unknown that we don't see coming, like Gaverick or uh, McCabe on D. Saw a lot to talk about that. That can be realistic. I I more so like what uh, what Marty had mentioned a little while ago when this whole Vancouver thing was going down. He had made a comment on Twitter about you know Dubas going out and grabbing Horvat and Shen. That'd be interesting. If you're able to swing something like that, have Horvat drive that third line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I mean, Shen's at least affordable. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to find, there was a list I had here of, um, Ivan Barbashev, Matt, um, Sean Monahan. Okay. We got Vlad Tarasenko. Probably that a little deal, but he's a right winger too much. And see, I don't, uh, yet again, I think that goes back to the, if you're going to go for a name that big, you might as well go for Meyer. Yeah, you're right. Un- like unless you were going to drop someone off of the top six, because not only does he kind of fit that, that bill of maybe not necessarily driving his own line, but then I think there would be more of a risk of him being like a Felino 2.0. Look at how injured he's been forever, right? He's been, he's on IR right now. Yeah. Okay. It's coming off soon, but it's been a while. Like it's been way before Christmas. Um, just according to hockey writers, the Leafs' top asset come trade deadline. What do you guys think it is? Um, I know people have been saying that Sandine has been talked about a lot. Um, Nye's probably isn't going to get moved. So you're probably looking at the the first Sandine and Voight, maybe? It's the first. They just have the first round back. <laughs> they didn't even do any homework. I know. It just says they also do not want to part ways with top prospect Matthew Nyes. So That's potential destinations, San Jose, Arizona, Blackhawks, uh, and Blue Jackets. So, I mean, I think Columbus makes the most sense for that. Like, I don't know, Barbashev, I guess, is like the person from there. I don't know. It's there's not a ton Columbus of guys. Columbus would be Gavrikov. Barbashev's in St. Louis, is he not? Yeah. Right, 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 right. You're right. What about same, Domi? Same colors. Domi, I don't know. Just I don't hate it. Common name. We, we touched on that a little while ago. Like, I don't know if it's the nostalgia or the fact that it would be really cool seeing that name on a jersey again, because, you know, we all, well, I anyways, I don't know about you kids, but I loved seeing Domi in a Leafs jersey. Of course. And of course, we grew up it, watching it, that. It, I always forget, you know, you guys are so young. Um, <laughs> One whole year, Bean, we've been over this. <laughs> Grandpa. <know>. Sorry. Um <laughs> No, it's okay. It's deserved. It, yeah, he he's got pieces that would would make it ideal to see. But yet, yet again, I don't I don't know if you'd want him. This is just me. I, I could like I'm probably not thinking how Dubis and them are thinking. I want someone to come in and drive that third line because we've seen it work. That top six, doesn't matter whether you put Marner with Matthews, Marner with Tavares, Nylander, whoever's where, that six can work in almost any any structure. Yeah. And defensively, we have not been we have not had a major problem in the playoffs, despite the fact that we don't have a Norris Trophy winning stud. Right? Geo. We don't have the headman. That's what a lot of people Yeah, a couple years ago, yeah. Three. But like we don't have a a, a headman, right? Yeah. Which is fine because we, I think the the decor is solid enough as it is. So you need that depth scoring, and that it it probably will end up being someone completely off the radar that none of us are thinking. Yep. 
Um, just to touch back and close this off um, on the, the Domi era of the Leafs, the first Domi. Guess who signed a contract today with the Norfolk Admirals? I know the answer, so I'll let Bean answer. Only because I'm in the group chat. X-Leaf, 38 years old, defenseman, played, um, I want to say like 04 to 08 with the Leafs. Last name is a color. Oh, come on. (laughs) (laughs) The the first name that popped into my head was McKay, but I know he's not playing right now. Ian White. Um, Oh, God. Ian White is still playing hockey. I did not realize he's not even 40 yet um, because it seems like it's been forever since he was on the Leafs. But uh, I think they were like one of the first, if not the first NHL team he played for. Uh, Yeah, so he was drafted by the Leafs in 2002. Played 2005, 2006 up till 2010 with the Leafs. And then um, only played another three years. And then he kind of disappeared until 2014 2015 where he played for the milwaukee admirals and now um after a six-year hiatus 21 22 he came back to the columbus river dragons and now he's playing again with the norfolk admirals the river dragons i can't believe that name (laughs) can you believe taking a six-year gap in your career from like 31 to 37 and picking professional hockey back up. The only player I can think of taking a, a gap and then jumping right back into it and not missing a beat was Guy Lafleur. But you are talking about one of the greatest of all time. Like the guy would smoke a pack of cigarettes and still go out and score seventy goals. Like, yeah, yeah. And... I'm not even. There's nothing like. Oh. Oh, what? Oh, um, <laughs> so I guess I should add this as an asterisk. I didn't know this part. <laughs> oh. I figured there's a seven year or six year gap in his career. I should look at his Wikipedia page to see if anything happened. Was he in jail? Yeah, he was in jail. <laughs> um, November 20th, 2015, he was arrested at his home in Kenora, Ontario and charged with various drugs and weapons offenses. And the AHL signed him. Hired Former him. NHL defenseman Ian White was arrested. Guess who reported it? Rick Westhead. Uh, <laughs> was arrested on Friday in Winnipeg, charged with a number of weapons-related offenses. Um, careless use or storage of a firearm or prohibited device to charges of possession of a firearm. Um, okay. Was charged. I don't know. It's hard to say if he was charged or not. He was, he was part of that. He, he was part of that group coming out of the lockout that, like, the Leafs had a lot of young players who showed a lot of promise. Um, you got Stajan, Steen, Ian White, Koliakova was a, a good young defenseman coming through. Strawman was Stajan coming up. Card. I've got a couple of them kicking around somewhere, like Kyle Wellwood. You know, you we had all these young players who had all this talent, just could never aside from Steen going to St. Louis and lighting it up, they could never really completely put it together, right? Yeah. 
Alex Dean. What a uh, what a story he was. Hey. Well, great player. Speaking of defenders, I just want to give a quick shout out to Morgan Riley, who took a 91 mile per hour shot from the point tonight that did not go unnoticed to my eyeballs. So thank you, Morgan Riley, for taking that big shot. And it reminded me, you know, Bean, you're talking about Norris caliber defenders, and I complained so much about the shot. So if Riley can keep doing this, Good things are coming. <laughs> and I liked him paired with Geo tonight. Uh, they led ice time uh, with a... Oh, my screen just went down. Oh, 22-16 for Geo and... Uh, oh, my God. 21-01 for Riley. Yeah, Riley's finding his game again. I mean, he had a couple shots. I would love if he would score just to get it off his back. But, man. Yes. He's getting back in there. There's something that's just, and I don't know if it's just me, there's something almost like visually satisfying of seeing a defense pair like 44 and 55 or, oh, yeah. you know, I, I, it's it sounds so silly and it's probably really weird, but I always end up, I, I like seeing certain lines like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. And it was like satisfying. Tim Sandine and Lily, 37, 38. Mm. Yeah, yeah, right. Um Timmins known for the big shot as well, but anyway, that was my last thought about the game. Um, okay. I, I don't know who got the belt. I wonder who Samsonov gave the belt to tonight, um, because I know Nylander had it recently, and Nylander scored twice. Usually, Mitch Marnie, she's tracking it. Let me see if I can find it quickly. Well, it's not on their actual page. So I don't think uh, they posted. Mm, now I can't find the damn thing. Okay. Anyway, Mitch Marnie tracks it. Uh, she has a thread. Okay. Find that out well, later. follow us on Discord. Follow us on Twitter and uh, all the jazz. Check out Inside the Ring for all your post-game, pre-game articles. We'll be back uh, next time. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast. Available after every game on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and more. Hey, Marty. How's it going, bud? I was just going to say that. I beat you to it. Bye, Marty.